Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. MGM presents Westworld. Your attention, please. We will soon be landing at Westworld, the ultimate resort. We have you on grid five, over. It consists of three worlds of the past. Locking in now. Worlds where you can live out your every fantasy. There's Roman world, the lusty, decadent delights of Imperial Pompeii. Notify ground crews. Medieval world, chivalry and combat in 13th century Europe. And Westworld. Lawless violence on the American frontier of the 1880s. Each resort is maintained by reliable computer technology and peopled by lifelike robot men and women. Let's stand by for resort activation. Ready on six, on five, on four, on three, on two. Activate now. robots are programmed to provide you with an unforgettable vacation. Dinner at 7, breakfast at 6.30. Get lunch on your own. Don't look like much here, but we have everything. You mean to tell me he's a robot? What'll it be? Uh, vodka martini on the rocks with a twist of lemon. Very dry, please. Just give him whiskey. He's new in town. Many elements of the Delos Resort are potentially dangerous. That's part of the appeal. Go on. You say something, boy. Kill them. Your move. Our technology is designed to provide all this in complete safety. In Westworld, frustrations find release. Desire ends in satisfaction. Let me handle it. And all in a controlled environment. That's not supposed to happen. We know you'll enjoy your stay in Westworld. Hold it. The ultimate resort. Let me do it this time. Where nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm shot. Go wrong. Raw. Go wrong. Oh, my God. Shut down. Shut down immediately. MGM, starring Yul Brynner, Richard Benjamin, and James Brolin. Westworld, the ultimate resort. Boy, do we have a vacation for you. For you. For you. For you. Lights out. And now the movies, folks.
Well, hello there, and welcome to yet another exciting, enticing episode of The Secret Lair Drive-In. I'm your host, your fearless leader, the one, the only, D-Dub. And across the Wayback Machine from me is my co-host and faithful acolyte, Stratosphere. Greetings, Earth people. Okay, we're going to toss out our contact information real quick. If they want to email us, tell us how great we are, comment on the film, or perhaps tell us what idiots we are. How would they do that? Uh, we can be contacted at secretlairpodcast.blogs or at, at gmail. Let's try that again. <laughs> secretlairpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And before we get into this week's movie, we have feedback. Awesome. Uh, as we visit Joe's Corner. Greetings, gentlemen. Joe Iden here. Sorry it's been so long since my last email, but things at work have really been busy. I work at a we university maintenance department and recently had a chance... Oh, God. <laughs> hey, maintenance. I do it, man. I was going to say... Hey, and recently had a chance to pick up several extra hours and was working 10-hour and sometimes 12-hour days for a while. Didn't leave me time for much else. The money was great as it let me pick up more movies, much <laughs> to my wife's dismay. Thankfully... Don't the give in to those voices. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Thankfully, the extra hours are over and I'm back to my regular shift. As I write this, I have just finished the Star Crash podcast and as always, you're... As, as always, thought your insights were right on for the most part. Let me explain. But first, just... but Let me explain. Let me just say first, this film is crap, but crap in a good way. <laughs> yes, it rips off shamelessly every sci-fi flick of the then-current day. The acting is bad. The production value is bad. The music is sometimes hard to listen to, and the, and the special effects are not all that good. In fact, the special effects reminded me of a Sid and Marty Croft Saturday morning live action show. I always, and I can't explain why. I, I can tell you exactly why. This occurred to me afterward. Do you realize that the robot sounded exactly like H.R. Puff and stuff? Oh, now I'm going <laughs> to. Hey, <laughs> hey, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Stella. Yeah, oh. I'm telling you. I, did, <laughs> okay. I wish I'd have thought of it when we were recording the episode, but. Uh, okay. I always can't. And I cannot explain why I never really cared for Marjo Gortner. Maybe it's the creepy nut he plays in Earthquake. I don't know. But it does have Carolyn Monroe as, wait for it, Stella Starr. Great name! Even dubbed, she's always a treat for the eyes. That black costume with the high boots was also a huge help to this film. Show you, kinky devil. <laughs> Ever since seeing her in The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, I've been crushing on her. Recently, I caught her in a movie on Netflix called I Don't Want to Be Born with Joan Collins, Ralph Bates, and Donald Pleasance. I don't want to be born. Uh, I recommend that one. Okay. Despite all the film has going against it, I still kind of enjoyed it. Let me be more specific. Enjoyed it in a not falling asleep while watching it kind of way. Oh, well, that's a rarity. <laughs> the logic on this film is all over the place. Yeah. But that kind of stuff never bothered me. At times, I found the blatant ripoffs as a kind of homage. This is especially apparent in the scenes with the Amazon and that giant robot god stop-motion thing. Kind of reminding me of Jason and the Argonauts. Even the lightsaber rip-off uh, rip fight with Gortner wasn't too bad. Yes, it's a bad film, but for fans of these types of films, one one that I think should be seen. 
but only once, unless you skipped all the Stella Star scenes. Nobody would blame you for that. I vaguely remember this being in theory in theaters and wanting to see it so bad, but never did. I'm glad I waited. At such a young age, I may have hated it. I may have I may have not wanted to revisit it based on the impression I had of it in my youth. I'm much more sophisticated in my bad movie taste as I get older, as we all are. Well, that's because there's more bad movies to have sophisticated taste in. That's right. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Star Crash. Up next, Rebirth of Mothra. I'll send in a separate email as I am currently at work and break is over. Talk to you soon, Joe Iden. Yeah, we need to get Joe some theme music as we play this. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll have to see what I can find. Need to get that. Remember that little uh, piano piece SNL used to do for uh, bad theater? That da 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 we will be revisiting Joe at the end of the episode as well. Okay. So, what is our film for this time? Well, this one, uh, it's, it's one that a lot of people are familiar with, but in all honesty, I hadn't seen it since, uh, God, probably, I want to say, 79, 80s when I actually finally saw it, and uh, haven't seen it since. It's definitely a tripped-out movie. Uh, I, um, I don't recall the year, but uh, the movie's called Westworld. You know, I think there are more people that are familiar with the concept of the movie than have actually than, seen it. Than, yeah, exactly. That could very well be. Like I said, I, kn- I know I saw it exactly once prior prior to watching this, so it was well, it, was, it was interesting. Fun fact: in addition to the sequel, there was a TV show called Be- Beyond Westworld Beyond that lasted Westworld. for what three episodes? Uh, yeah. Did it run on Fox? <laughs> well, this was pre-Fox, so it was. <laughs> Fox has a real bad tendency. I've, to do I've that. seen bits and pieces of the TV show, and I remember. I actually remember. I actually remember watching. I think the TV show before I ever saw the movie, which of course made yeah. made no context whatsoever. I think I actually saw Future World before I saw Westworld, which that was kind of a. Well, I remember. Well. I remember back in the seventies, Westworld was a big thing. Oh yeah, it did. It did good box office, in spite of having Richard Benjamin. <laughs> well, we'll get to that, but first. The best place to start on these would be the, the plot. plot, such as it is. Sometime in the near future, a high tech. I got. I got to do it. In the not too distant future, <laughs> there's a place is called Delos. La 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 la. So you, you got to finish so I can do the la la la. All right. <laughs> Uh, a highly realistic adult uh, amusement park called Delos features three themed worlds. Westworld, based on the American Old West. Although they keep referring to it as Western World. I did notice that. Eh, they kind of went back and forth a little bit. Um, medieval World, obviously Medieval Europe. And Roman World, which is in pre-Christian Rome. The resort's three worlds are populated with lifelike androids that are practically indistinguishable from human beings. I love- and I think uh, the best way to tell is look at the hands. Yeah, although when they showed the close-up of the one's hands, it was, I don't know, it looked like they were wearing a pretty realistic glove is what it kind of looked like to me. Yeah, it looked like on the underside where the joints would be. Yeah. Almost like it had, like the skin was just stuck together or something. Yeah, it it wasn't something that was... Really easy to see, which, given that they're trying to maintain this illusion of everything, I guess you you wouldn't want it sticking sticking out really bad so as to preserve the illusion. But 
Um, and each one is programmed in character for their assigned historical environment. For a thousand dollars per day, I, I, I saw that and like God, you know, there's 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 hotels in Vegas now that a thousand dollars a day is cheap. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I can I can see that. Hell, there's a there's some down at um, Disney. Uh, oh yeah, well, I mean the yacht club. Well, now, I, I go to Vegas, or I, I I go to Vegas for my example, just because that's by most people's definitions, that's that's the most expensive. I mean, if you really want to be a player, that's that's you know where you're gonna have money to spend. Okay, just to give you some sort of context here, a thousand dollars in nineteen seventy seven dollars, which is I, I don't remember what year the movie was. No, okay, it was probably around. It then. has the same buying power as about thirty eight hundred and seventy four dollars in today's dollars. Boy, thirty eight hundred is uh, thirty eight hundred a day, and you get sex bots. I know guys that would pay that coin. <laughs> Oh, I got ahead of the plot. Uh, for a thousand dollars a day, guests may indulge in any adventure with the android population of the park, including sexual encounters and even a fight to the death, depending on the android model. Delos's tagline in its advertising promises: "Have we got a vacation for you?" Ironic foreshadowing. <laughs> well, if everything went right, it wouldn't be a very interesting movie, now, would it? Oh, as opposed to the interesting movie it was. Um, it had its moments. It, it did. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to slag it. Richard Benjamin, notwithstanding, if it was anybody else, it actually would have been a darn spiffy little movie. But uh, Richard Benjamin, yeah. this place is fun. You know, it, I maybe you'll uh, agree or not agree with me with this. If on Big Bang Theory they ever decide to cast Sheldon Cooper's father, who had mysteriously disappeared, I think Richard Benjamin would be just absolutely spot on as his dad. There were so many times when he was like like grinning at stuff. I swear to God, it looked like like Jim Parsons with a mustache. I swear to God. So well, that, that's something to think about, sure. Yeah. He's still married to Paula Prentice after all these years. Really? Unbelievable. Well, God love him. Yeah. 61 they got married. So they've been married 50 years. Do you believe In that? Hollywood. That's amazing. Uh, they don't do a lot. Neither one of them really... I mean, they take uh, bit parts here and there. I think he did a CSI or something like that. But, well, they uh, probably don't need to. Just No. Just he's, just. He, he's done some directing um, over the years. But, yeah, they kind of have their own little thing. So, But I, well, I, I just I thought the same thing. It's like 50 years and and just God bless him. And, well, let's face it. Richard Benjamin will never, ever top the fine work he did in quark um see now he was perfect in quark yeah for the, for that type of character oh my god no one else could do quark for Benjamin. <laughs> uh, but anyway 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 the character he plays peter martin is a first timer with his friend john blaine i know that's not a name that's a major appliance uh played by uh, james brolin who has been there several times previously, they go to Westworld. Yeah, and on the flight in, on like some kind of a hover thing, he, yeah, he's a, asking all kinds of questions. And you could tell Roland's kind of getting a little annoyed. It's like, you'll get there, you'll see. Yeah. Um, now, one of the attractions in Westworld is the Gunslinger, played by Yul Brenner. Etc. Etc. See, that stands for clever. <laughs> you sloppy with your drink. <laughs> I, I I kept going back and forth between is, is he badass or is or is it like too over the top? Because I I feel like everybody else and I'm I'm again getting my head of myself, but 
everybody else seems so over the top, and Yul Brenner was just like too cool for school the way he was playing it. So it, it kind of made it. That was one of the more interesting things. Yeah. Well, I think I think that he was probably or the android was probably how can I put this programmed in such a way that someone who was going there that would be what they would consider the stereotypical behavior of a gunfighter right but the gunslingers you know programmed to instigate gunfights like you said messed up your drink sloppy uh, with your drink sloppy with your drink yeah thank you um go home to your mama i could see arnold doing that go home to your mama but anyway and that type of thing the firearms issued to the park guests have temperature sensors that prevent them from shooting humans or anything else living, but allow them to kill the cold-blooded androids. The gunslinger's programming allows guests to outdraw it and kill it, always returning the next day for a new duel. And that was that was another thing that I, I personally I didn't feel was well done. Is the the blood was not realistic for me. It literally looked like red paint to me. I've, well, if you've, if you've actually ever seen anyone bleed in real life, I, well, I it's, think it's a lot darker than than it looks. Well, the just way they thinking had. about okay. Well, there's a point later on. I could see it for the androids, but there's a point later on. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I thought the same thing. It's like nope, you're doing it wrong. T- tell you, George Romero, black and white. <laughs> it works. Hershey syrup. Yeah, that's right. The technicians running Delos notice problems beginning to spread like an infection among the uh, androids. The robot- which, which, thinking about it, today they could just explain it away that it's a virus. Yeah, or, well, it's funny because they, they kind of refer to it that way in the movie and everyone's just like, a virus for... for it is a machine. It's a machine. Yeah, machines don't get viruses and it, it, it's kind of a... a disconcerting uh you know disconnect as far as you know with the it's it's like when you when you see movies and there's a plot point that someone gets stuck somewhere i'm like why aren't you using your cell oh right they don't have cell phones in the past well it just you know just that whole thing right there just shows how far ahead of the curve michael Crichton was uh i have an unbelievable amount of respect for michael Crichton. Even even though, let's face it, if you take out androids and put in dinosaurs, this whole movie is Jurassic Park. Did you see that thing I posted on Facebook yesterday? Uh, did I? It, 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 was, it was basically a still frame of a, of a piece of the credits of Jurassic Park. And it oh, the di- <laughs> Phil Tibbet, Dinosaur Super. Oh, was that where that's from? Yeah. That's oh, okay. Like, Damn it, Phil! You had one job, one job. There were but raptors I, in the freaking kitchen. But what was, what was funnier was his response. Everybody thinks they're an expert, but you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was the, I, that's from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That just made me laugh. That that was really funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, anyway. Viruses. All right, the robots in Roman world and medieval world begin experiencing an increasing number of breakdowns and systemic failures, which are said to have spread to Westworld when one of the supervising computer sciences scoffs at the at the analogy of an infectious disease. He is told by the chief supervisor, played by one of my favorite character actors, Alan Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, I I was looking at him trying to think what else I wasn't Um, he didn't he play um, um, Rudy Wells for. An episode or two in uh, Six Million Dollar Man. 
I know they had somebody else it, later on. It may but. be. Uh, where I know him from, he did a number of of uh, guest spots on Hogan's Heroes, which, as you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. He he probably did five or six, always playing a different character. You know, he'd, he'd play a different Nazi or, you know, whatever, but he was on there. And I was listening to, I want to say it was, might have been free plug here, Lost in the Static. Um I want to say they they said he did the voice of Optimus Prime or something like that. He, no, he, that was he, he Peter did a, Cullen. Okay, well they they said he did a some sort of animated. I'm sure. Voice. He, I'm sure he did. Yeah, he, a great great character actor. He he's just he's just a certain physical type, and I uh, I was really happy to see Fate. him. Definitely nailed it. Yeah. Uh, we aren't dealing with ordinary machines here. There are, these are highly complicated pieces of equipment, almost as complicated as living organisms. In some case, they've been designed by other computers. We don't know exactly how they work. <laughs> if that's not famous last words, I don't know what is. Oh, that's, all, that's always a good sign. Yes. The malfunctions become less peripheral and more central when an android rattlesnake it succeeds in injuring Blaine in Westworld, and against its programming, an android refuses a guest's sexual advances in Medieval World. Now, the scene with the snake was uh, fun, funny for two reasons. One, Blaine's been telling him, you know, you got to relax. This is all, you know, it's all part okay. of the illusion. And when he starts getting bit, he like freaks. It's like, that's not supposed to happen. What? <laughs> you know, so he, that was kind of funny seeing him freak out. And that whole scene where they're kind of sitting, they're like lying on the ridge and the dialogue between them, and I hate—I I know I'm going to get some hate mail for this—is so gay. Subtext. I—I I don't know if you caught that. I but, probably didn't give it a second. It, well, thought. not maybe not gay subtext, but it sounds like they both just took ecstasy because they're like, "I love my horse. I love the way my horse looks. I love oh, the yeah. rock." Yeah, yeah, that's a great horse. Yeah, yeah. They're they're both just like rambling. It's like, dude, did you guys take X seriously? <laughs> yeah, peyote. Oh, yeah, ritual. Okay, got it. But anywho, um, and uh, now the the android refusing the guest sexual advances. I got to be honest with you. I have I was actually having a problem because there were certain scenarios they were showing in the other worlds. I wasn't sure who was supposed to be the android and who was supposed to be the human. I could I could see how there could be confusion because at one point they had the queen. I guess we'll call her or countess whatever it was a queen yeah and she's got all her handmaidens and she uh, they're tending you know doing her hair and her her hat thingy and then she's like leave me and then the act the way it turns out the actual human comes in and starts flirting with it and all that until he i mean really almost almost three quarters away in the scene i thought she was the human he was the robot well you see but he was on that shuttle with uh, See, I didn't Blaine. remember that. He was there, and then... I remember seeing Dick Van Patten. Well, uh, right prior to that, they showed a scene in the control room where they said, uh, program infidelity into the queen. Oh. Effective two seconds ago or something they like that. They were doing a... When they were they would show the control room, which I have a whole big issue with the control room. But I have probably one, have the same I, issue. Yeah. Let's, let's get to that in a minute. But yeah, they kept doing a lot of muttering. They weren't really clear with... You kind of get got the sense that they were unhappy with certain things, but they were they were doing the the techno double speak and saying it really fast and really low. And it's like, you just got a general sense of unease, but as far as details, I felt they dropped the ball there. I think they could have, um, 
made it a little more clear what was going on. But that's just, well, that's just me. If you look at it from this perspective of it's an actual living, breathing, functioning control center. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably it's going to sound a lot like muttering. Um, if it were if it were totally realistic, but in terms of uh, what's on camera and for for the viewing audience, you know it. What's the point of showing it if you're not going to do exposition? I, I can understand that. that that's but my they, only... They were perfectly clear when the dude was ordering his breakfast. Well, that's true. So, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not... I'm not I, there's other things I have such major issues with, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, go ahead. We'll get to that in final thoughts. Um, the failures escalate until medieval world's robotic Black Knight kills, I guess, the, the, the one that I wasn't sure right, about. Right, right. In a sword fight, the resort supervisors, in increasing desperation, try to regain control by shutting down power to the entire park, but this traps them in the control rooms, unable to turn the power back on while the robots run amok on reserve power. Here's my problem with this. Okay. As a maintenance professional, yes. even if you have electric doors, usually there's some sort of hydraulic or something that you can push There's, to open it, or if it's an, elect, an electric magnetic lock and you lose power, you the, lose power to the magnet. Yeah, There's so the, no the, 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 reason they should not have been able to open that door. Well, and, okay, I guess we'll just get all this, rid of all this now. Uh, first of all, they, there was no seal down the middle. Uh, between the two doors, so there there was a plot point that they were running out of oxygen. Right. So I I had trouble with that. Um, I had real huge. Oh, you know what it was? The one guy ate all those eggs, and all of his gaseous emissions oh, were killing everybody. Okay, so methane poisoning. There you go. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I explained that one away. <laughs> he thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Um, but the other part that I have a problem with, and I'm sure, you know, we we both uh, have been doing this for a while, is that. Um, they had a, a specifically stated plot point that the temperature was rising in there, 98 degrees, and yet all these computers are going full speed. If if it's summertime and I don't have the the uh, AC cranked, my computers are all dead at home. I, I just and, I... and 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 also the fact that wait a minute, power a guy is saying. All you know, all the power is gone, and yet these things are still spinning in the background. It's like, what about that power? Do you not have panels you can re? I mean, I just I thought that was just so full of plot holes you could drive a Buick through it. I swear to God, that that which, is, which considering that Crichton not only wrote it but he directed it as well. Oh, yes, did he direct it? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. It it makes it a little disappointing. Considering what a tech guy I'm presuming Crichton was, you know, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead because he, he did so much brilliant stuff. But, uh, yeah, that I'm going to put it down to, OK, that was one of one of his earlier efforts. Yeah, I think but, it was his first directing effort. To be um, sure. He didn't have too many credits before this. I know he had like Andromeda strain and like one or two other things and this was this was pretty pretty early on in his oh career. absolutely yeah. so i'm i'm willing to cut him some slack there but that was the part that took me out of it more than anything was like oh my god it, it they're they're literally they're sweating you know uh, loosening their tie saying it's 98 degrees and these computers are going full blast and 
Well, I, I worked in a computer room years ago. Remember when I worked at, at right, the bank? Right. Um, if if the AC shut off even for for three minutes, and it got up to like you know eighty degrees, everything died. Just everything freaking died. And that was well. They didn't. The movie going public at the time probably wouldn't have known that. I mean, it's a little more understood now. Uh, but anyway. Anyway. Okay. Martin and Blaine passed out drunk after a barroom brawl, which that's actually one of my favorite bits in there when you see uh, uh, Martin has finally gotten used to the whole idea. So there's a, a barroom brawl, and they're basically playing cards and ignoring the barroom brawl, which, okay, now you finally caught on to this place. You know, there's a certain level of cool you have to have. and Right. But playing, continuing to play cards while there's a fight going on around you, you can't say that's not cool. Um. They wake up in Westworld's bordello, unaware of the breakdown. When the gunslinger challenges the two men to a showdown, Blaine treats the confrontation as a typical amusement until the robot actually shoots him and kills him. And he says, I'm shot. I'm shot. And then he does a nice little uh, barrel roll uh, after he gets hit the second time. And I I will give him credit, even though... This again, going back to the blood does not look realistic. The fact that they showed it actually seeping out. Okay. I the color was wrong, and that, you know that that may have been the the Technicolor wash of the print I saw. Well, I. I you know every, everything in the seventies they it's in well, color. Well, look at the look at the uh, blood color in a lot of the Hammer horror movies. Oh yeah, it's a very similar thing. Yeah, it, it looks like it looks like freaking red paint. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe, maybe they got it on sale. Uh, Surplus sale. There you go. Everything must bleed. Go. Uh, mortally wounding him, Martin runs for his life as the robot implacably follows him. Martin flees to the other areas of the park, but finds only dead guests, damaged robots, and a panicked technician who is thereupon shot by, by said gunslinger. Martin climbs down through a manhole in Roman World to the underground control area, and discovers that the resort's technician suffocated when the ventilation system shut down. And, and again, I, 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 I spoke my piece on that. I say nay nay, but go on. Okay. The, guns, the gunslinger stalks Martin through the underground corridors. Ambushing it, Martin throws acid into its face and bolts, returning to the surface in the medieval castle. Now, I read, like, the coolest thing about that, the whole bit where it gets the acid put uh-huh. in its face... How they did that effect of it bubbling, they basically combined makeup with ground-up Alka-Seltzer. Really? And then they just threw water at him. I'll be darned. Isn't that a... That's really... That's brilliant. That really is. I got I got to give him credit for that. My, my only problem is that once the thing recovered, it barely looked like it was burnt. I was, I was expecting some... Yeah, real, because it was... Uh, it looked like... Uh, uh, it looked slightly flesh, dirty. Flesh was coming off when he was... Yeah, and then when when he shows up a few minutes later, it's like he he looks like he got his face dirty as a little bit is yeah. what it looks like. So well, you know, you you uh, Mr. Brenner had uh, to have a certain amount of face time, so to speak. Uh, yeah. The gunslinger, its optical inputs damaged by the acid, is unable to track him, and Martin sets uh, sets it on fire with a torch. And of course, that's a great little scene of the stuntman flailing around being totally on fire that, that that's a cool scene regardless 
Uh, he tries to rescue a woman chained up in a dungeon, but she turns out to be an android, and he goes to give her a sip of water, and she short circuits. Uh, the burned hulk of the gunslinger attacks him one last... Well, it doesn't really attack him. It just sort of falls flat It kind of shows up. It shows up, reaches out to him, and then falls flat on his face, and that's the end of the gunslinger. Uh, Martin, apparently the sole human survivor, sits in a state of near exhaustion and shock as he, he hears an echo of the original De La slogan, Have we got a vacation for you, for you, for you, for you. Oh, and Major Barrett was in it, too. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, she was. Was her? She was. Uh, was she an android or was? Yeah, her? she was an android. Okay. Again, there were certain things that were um, not yeah. not as clear to me. Yeah, it was. It was sometimes a little hard to kind of differentiate between the two, especially when you couldn't see their hands. I felt it was the movie itself was good. Great concept. Uh, I guess if I have to lay some blame, I, I would say the editing was uh, subpar. But then again, it was your typical 70s editing. Yeah, l- let's not overestimate the intelligence of the public was, was kind of the, the thought of the day. That's true. All in all, I'd say, you know, it's one of those movies that it is considered a classic. And if you're any kind of a fan of of the genre, you got to see it at least once. You got yeah, to. I, I would, I would recommend it. Just oh, and uh, the other, the other neat little trivia bit. Um, there were several scenes where, after getting some upgrades, the gunslinger they had some uh, point of view shots of him. Oh yeah, and it was sort of uh, pixelated. That is the first ever example of CGI in a motion picture. True story. Well, all right. Yeah, so got got to give it that at the very least. Okay, let's do a couple of final thoughts. Okay. And then uh, we'll go on to the last bit of feedback. Then we will announce the winner of our, what movie are we doing next time? Okay. <laughs> okay, final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Um, yeah, like, like I kind of tagged on the end, uh, Major Barrett was in it. Uh, I was expecting her to have uh, a... Uh, uh, a better part or a bigger part, I want to say, but basically she kind of flirts with one of the guys and like sends him up to the room with the ladies. Yeah. And then at one point during a barroom brawl, she's swigging on a bottle of hooch, which again, what she's just probably just happy to have the work. Well, yeah, but that, that was another uh, plot point that I thought was kind of weird. It's like, wait a minute, you showed her, swigging from a bottle of hooch. So, oh, the androids can drink just like us. Oh, but apparently not at the end because the girl short circuits. Alcohol versus water. Alcohol's a better conductor of electricity than water. Next. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I hate... I, I'm trying not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's, it's a decent little movie. It's not great. It barely qualifies. Maybe, maybe if you're in the right frame of mind, it's a good movie. But uh, it's not horrible. I think there's a good movie that's kind of hiding within this one. That uh, Well, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on this myself. And apparently, HBO is doing a remake as a series. Uh, I did hear something about that. But it's my understanding it's been kind of in development hell for like a year or so now. So I just I, I saw something it was actually dated uh, 
like the last couple of months of okay. 2013. But they're, they're moving forward with it? That's my understanding. See, with um, again, I think there's a, a really nice little thing in here kind of hiding behind the production values. I think if you had modern production values and if you had, you know, we, we've, I don't know, I've, I'm fully in agreement that with certain exceptions, this has been a kind of a new golden age of television. There's been a lot of great shows that have come out in the last, you know, five to ten years. And uh, I do believe if they could get some of the really good writers of today on this, I think it would be a just a darn fine uh, uh, series. Well, you see, what really made me look that up, I, I had posted on the Secret Lair drive-in um, Facebook group mm-hmm. for opinions. And Harvey Eblen had said he'd like to see a remake, to which... Rebecca Womack said, well, who would you cast in it? I'm not going to go into all of that, but that's where I came up with that. Uh, I'm, I don't have HBO. I have no intention of getting HBO. Oh, I don't either, but uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to download Game of Thrones uh, season four, episode one in about two weeks. (laughs) I've never seen an episode yet. It's, I got, I, I was going through a bad time and I found season one at the library and it helped get me through and I was totally hooked. Uh, just oh. as an aside, keeping on what you were just talking about, uh, you know who I would totally, uh, uh, cast as the gunslinger? Who's that? Bruce Willis. Eh, I, I'm kind of Bruce Willis out. Yeah, well, okay. Bruce Willis shaved head Bruce Willis. I'm still kind of Bruce Willis out. Yeah, well. Okay, so now it's time to give this baby a rating. Um I would I would give it a very soft crap craptastic. I think I'd have to agree to. Yeah, very very weak. It, it there's definitely uh there's definitely some some points that that could be improved. I don't think there's any argument there, but like I said, the the concept is is just phenomenal, and it gives this thing some some good, better production values, uh, and certainly better editing. I think that's where really it all falls apart. Even Richard Benjamin is um, halfway watchable in this, but but the editing just uh, really falls apart. I, I just had the weirdest thought. Okay. Do you know what has to be one of the worst jobs at the uh, Delos Amusement area? Oh, God. What? <laughs> Cleaning the sex robots afterwards. Uh, e- either that's the worst, or either it's the best job. I, I did No, because if it's, well, you got to get all kinds of... Uh, Fluids. Oh, well, That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Anyway. Anyway. So now it's time for Joe's Corner Part 2. Would you like to read this one or would you like me to? Oh, I can read it. Oh, okay. It starts right up there at the yes. Yes, another Toho film to talk about. As I've said before, I'm always going to come at these films with a bit of a bias. No. As I am such a huge fan of what I like to call the Toho genre. That's right. I give all films of the giant monster sci-fi ilk done by Toho in which sci-fi, huh? Sci-fi, sci-fi. You said sci-fi. 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 Pretty, pretty sci-fi for a white guy. Ah. Uh, sci-fi for a rabbi. Go ahead. That said, let me get into Rebirth of Mothra. I think this film is a stunning example of what Toho was capable of in the mid '90s. 
although a bit on the kid-friendly side, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just listened to our review. <laughs> a bit is, yeah. I still found this to be the most enjoyable of the three Rebirth films. Sayaka Yamaguchi and Megumi Kobayashi as Laura and Mona give a much-needed depth to the twin fairies that we never saw before. Although Emi Ito and Yumi Ito may be the fan favorites as far as Shobojin go, and I would agree, their performances were basically speaking in union, singing and let us, letting, ah, letting us know what Mothra would do or not do. He's, he's, his, yeah, he's right. <laughs> expressing Mothra's displeasure to the world. Yeah. Mothra will eat your children if you do not stop. Never mind. Basically, they, they were kind of the Deanna Troys of their time, weren't they? Mothra is feeling anger. <laughs> I'm sensing a powerful mind. That's like her first her first lines in Next Generation. Yeah. But go on. Okay. Uh... Another great addition was a third fairy, an evil one. This took the whole Mothra slash twin fairy thing in a whole new direction. I really enjoyed that aspect. Aki Hano as Belvera, a pretty good villain to the Shobujin. Again, a bit on the kid-friendly side. Story-wise, it's pretty straightforward and not really all that dull. I found myself really getting into this film again. This was only the second or third time I had seen it. Joe, you're braver than us. Let's talk monsters! Mothra looks great. In fact, other than giant monsters all-out attack and the two Rebirth sequels, I don't think Mothra ever looked better. Plus, we have the added feature of a new King Ghidorah. Tweaked a bit, we now have Des Ghidorah. How cool is this monster? Des Ghidorah, yeah. Lucy, I'm home. Oh, never mind, we did that joke. Yes, we did. And much better, I must say. Um... Oh, I love the look of this monster. He just looks so powerful. One might think Mothra is no match. I think this may be my favorite look for King Ghidorah. Another interesting monster, albeit a mini one, is Garu Garu. They did a really good job animating the creature, but at times it did remind me of something you might see in a Muppets movie. Which I would agree with. Uh, I also enjoyed the flying fight scenes between Bilvira riding Garu Garu and the Shobijin on Fairy, the mini Mothra. Speaking of fights, we get some good ones. Lots of action. Sometimes the energy ray battles between the two monsters goes on a bit too long. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I think we said that. Yeah. Uh, lots of great explosions. This is a really enjoyable film from the 90s, and anyone looking for a giant monster fix would do well to check this out. Side note, this film, along with its two sequels and Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, Tokyo SOS, and GMK, are responsible for me losing almost all respect for the Sci-Fi Channel. You see, they premiered the, these films around the same time with no build-up at all. I just happened to be watching something on Sci-Fi, I can't imagine what, and saw a commercial for the three Mothra films. Then while watching the three Mothra films, I believe they ran a commercial for the three Godzilla films I mentioned. No fanfare, no first time seen in the USA, no premiering only on Sci-Fi, no US premiere, no nothing. I can't believe the folks at the Sci-Fi Channel did nothing to promote the U.S. premiere of any of these films. I can. <laughs> oh, they're cause, too cause... busy promoting wrestling. Yes, and Sharknado. <laughs> I, I still want to see that. I almost bought it for five bucks at Walmart. Just to piss your son off, if nothing else. Oh, I... <laughs> you know they're making a sequel. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Sharkicane? Well, no, Sharknado too. Oh, okay. It made... they. They played Sharknado in the theaters and actually made quite a bit of money. They uh, sold out the showings. Uh, when when they did uh, 
that uh, Day of the Doctor with Doctor Who, that actually made money. And that was basically a TV show that was airing actually simultaneously on on actual TV. And I would have went. I would have too. Um, in fact, the Mothra films premiered during the week while the Godzilla pre- films premiered on a Saturday. Again, this was the U.S. premiere of these films. Why the hell Sci-Fi chose not to elevate this to an event is something I'll never understand. Plus, none of these films were available on DVD in the U.S. at the time. Talk about a missed opportunity. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Rebirth of Mothra, Mothra another great Toho film from the, from the 90s. P.S. for D-Dub and Strat, ever think of covering the 1976 King Kong? I'd really like to talk this film up. Over the years, it's gotten a really bad rap, and I'd like to make the case for it. Just a thought. Thanks, Joe Iden. I'd say uh, we actually, we probably will be covering that in an upcoming topic on the other podcast, Geeks Explain It All. Yes. So, with all that being said, what is our film for next time? Okay, well, we're going to be, uh, since since we've got uh, the, let's just call it what it is, the reboot, because they're, they're really going to, I think, do it a lot differently this time of uh, Godzilla. We're going to go through, go to uh, basically the last real Godzilla film, because we're, we're not counting the iguana. <laughs> well, the iguana was before this. Oh, was it really? Yeah, because the iguana actually shows up in it. Anyway, go ahead. You'll oh, okay. see. You'll enjoy but, it. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Final Wars. Yep, Godzilla Final Wars. Uh, it's actually from about 10 years ago, and with this being the 60th anniversary. Like I said, this would this would have been the last real Godzilla film, and uh, now we got the new one coming up. So, Yep, and you'll probably be hearing that real close to about the time the new Godzilla film comes out. Yep. So... With that being said, this is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Later, folks. Bye, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.